do, do. Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, where we talk about movies and TV shows and pop culture through the lens of Gen X, which we are in. TV and movies from a Gen X perspective, sweetie. Isn't that what I said? No, you make it more complicated than it needs to be. You make it more complicated. <laughs> Um, so Kathy and I just watched, uh, this movie that I like to call When Harry Met Sally. You're not the only one who likes to call it that. But not everybody has the luxury of having just viewed it. So I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer, which is kind of a good summary or best lines and everything else. This is my first edit. I was going to say, be careful because you, when you look, you're lately, you're Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. Grab. No, I don't like to eat between meals. I'll roll down the window. Faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I varied it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? All right, maybe we'll come back to that trailer. It's about half of it, but I don't want to... Is that really the trailer? Yeah. Well, it says this is the official trailer remastered. So maybe it's one of the versions that doesn't have the over-talking on it. It kind of makes me feel like we're it. that's a demonstration of how old the movie is because it's so slow, mm-hmm. the trailer. Yeah. I don't mean the jokes are old or anything. I just mean like they're just kind of, they're not, it's not going fast-paced enough. Well, and if you think about the movie itself, um, it's not fast-paced at all. Not a lot happens. Like it's a discussion movie. It's a dialogue. Well, movie. where was Mr. Movie's voice over that? There was like no person narrating what we were watching. I don't know, sweetie. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, what is your relationship with the history of this movie? Do you know what movie this movie came? What year this movie came out? Nineteen eighty nine. That's right. It was the year I graduated from high school. The yeah. month of my birthday. Any idea if you remember if you saw it in the theater? I don't think I did. I don't think I did either. If I did, I have no memory of it. It was, this for me was a videotape movie that I watched over and over and over and over again. On the old VCR? Uh-huh. Yep. I think I watched it. I I mean, and we just watched it again. And I was just saying that I watched it in December. So I probably watched this movie at least once a year, if not twice a year. And I usually like, it's not that you and I are flipping through TV much anymore. Because sure. everything seems like more, when we sit in front of the TV, we know what we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. But- if I was flipping in through the TV and this was on, I would stop. Got it. Um, yeah, I don't remember watching this uh, in the theater either, but I just remember watching it a lot. Yeah. Well, videotape, right? Yep. And TBS and yes. TNT. Don't you feel like it was on TV a lot? I think, I, yes. I think it was uh, HBO, TNT, TBS. Yeah, I, we was, just saw it a lot. It was all over the place. Um, so... I, I kind of want to divide this up into scenes uh, from beginning to end. We don't need to regurgitate what the movie is about. If you're listening to this, odds are you're a big fan of it. Um, Before you do that, sure. though, like, you know, th- there's a lot of importance to this movie as far as the, you know, just kind of giving an overview of it. Um, it was written by Nora Ephron. It was directed by Rob Reiner. Um, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron basically brought a lot of their own personal experiences to this movie. So a lot of things that they wrote into the movie were, you know, things. She was Sally and he was Harry. Exactly. And that they kind of wrote in the experiences that they had had and how they would respond and what is reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the movie did so well besides the performances that are so extraordinarily good. Um, I think this is Meg Ryan at her best. Well, it's s- funny. This is her first big movie. I know she was in Top Gun, uh-huh. but we think of Meg Ryan as this movie star. When this came out, I don't think she was. Mm. So everything came after Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, all of that came after this movie. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think we knew much about her. Um, I think we're like, oh, who's that girl from Top Gun? Really? Yeah. 
It's hard for me to remember. It all blends, you know, but I just think even now, after going back and seeing a bunch of different Meg Ryan movies, this is my favorite Meg Ryan movie. So as I look through her thing, she was on As the World Turns between 1982 and 84. She was on Charles in Charge. Of course. Charles in Charge of our day and our night. Do you remember that uh, theme? Yes. Uh, then she was on Top Gun in 1986, and then a bunch of stuff I'd never seen before. And then When Harry Met Sally, The Presidio. Remember that one? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she started doing some big stuff like The Doors with Oliver Stone. Which a lot of people think she was miscast in that movie. You don't think she did a good job of being Pamela? Well, I I didn't. And sorry, I know you love The Doors. I've seen The Doors movie two or three times. It's okay, mm. but it doesn't leave a huge lasting impression on me, meaning I didn't watch it and say, wait, Meg Ryan ruined that movie. Yeah. But there are critics who have said she was miscast. Yeah. What do you think? You love that movie. I love that movie just because I have this kind of weird fascination with Jim Morrison. Yeah. So, and, and Oliver Stone is a good um, director and writer so it was hard not to like that movie just because the talent that was a part of it um as i think about this wasn't she in she was in someone philip seymour hoffman and andy garcia when a man loves a woman yeah Mm -hmm. she plays a woman going through sobriety issues she's she's an alcoholic yeah and her husband andy garcia is somewhat of an enabler Mm -hmm. um you know he loves her and he wants he wants the best for her but he kind of uh, tiptoes around her behavior, and then they have a, a reckoning when she goes into uh, treatment. As I think, as we go through her filmography here, I think you're right. This is her best movie. Yeah. And it well, was kind of early, really early in her career. Sleepless in Seattle is really good. You've Got Mail is eh. I, I didn't like it the way other people did, but I kind of feel like I just thought she was the most... The, the most Meg Ryan-ish. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? What everybody loved her for yeah. in this movie. Like I was telling Todd as we were watching it again, the thing I love about her in this movie is, again, it's a scripted movie. It's a deeply scripted movie. This is way before improv, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're just, they're, they're doing their best with all these great lines. And she has these moments where she'll just like stare off into space and she'll look like she's so deeply thinking about what Harry just said in the most, it's so natural. You know, when someone says something to you and it's so shocking and you just have to like look away for a second. Yeah. Um, and she does that several times in this movie and it always makes me laugh. So, so, um, as we begin at the beginning, the, the car ride before they talk about men and women can't be friends. Uh-huh. Uh, and Harry talks about his dark side, anything pop to you regarding him? He's just, Kind of unlikable in the beginning, well, right? The grapes always grossed me out. Like when he spits on the window, like gross. That's so gross. And just that he keeps spitting out the window. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I think that may have been, uh, he didn't know that the window was up. It was an accident. I think it was an accident. <laughs> well, if so, then it was good. It, yeah, it gave you a lot of information about his character. Um, and, you know, but I don't think that that scene, that early scene gives you all of him, because like you said, it's really just more of a dark guy when, as you get through their car ride, you realize he's got a sense of humor and that he's funny. Right. <laughs> um, so then we'll go to the diner scene. Okay. Which, the first diner the scene. The first diner mm-hmm. scene where a lot happens. Um, this is kind of a funny little thing I got going here. Forget about what? It's not important. Now just tell me. Obviously, you haven't had great sex yet. Two, please. Go right over there. Yes, I have. No, you haven't. It just so happens that I have had plenty of good sex. With whom? What? With whom did you have this great sex? I'm not going to tell you that. Fine, don't tell me. Yes. Shell Gordon. Shell? Sheldon? No. No, you did not have great sex with Sheldon. I did too. No, you didn't. A Sheldon can do your income taxes. If you need a root canal, Sheldon's your man. But humping and pumping is not Sheldon's strong suit. It's the name. Do it to me, Sheldon. You're an animal, Sheldon. Ride me, big Sheldon. By the way, did you notice that she says stuff and then Harry's like, well, fine, don't tell me. And she always follows it up by telling... And that's exactly what I mean, where she'll look away for a second and think like, no, I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. That's their funny dynamic. I mean, and I don't just mean funny like for 
the movie to be funny. I mean, that's their personalities. Like he knows how to say something that makes her want yes. to respond. Um, did you have a Farrah Fawcett uh, haircut? Of course. You did? Um, yeah, it was, let's see. So this is supposed to be taking place like, okay, yes, this movie came out in 1989, but this scene is supposed to be the late 70s, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Because they're graduated from college. It's Charlie's Angels time. Yes. And yes, I definitely did. But I had a little more of the perfected, like one role down the side. You know how she's got it like all over. Yeah. Um, and she's got a lot of hair. I did. I do always laugh though, when they're kind of arguing in the car and then she pulls the Aquanet out of the gloved compartment and just sprays it. And it's just funny do because people still use Aquanet. I don't know. Everybody has used Aquanet who's our age, mm -hmm. but do we still use it? No. Like now I have a hairspray that you can barely tell is a hairspray. Yeah. But at the time you wanted the hairspray that was like- the Sticky. The two that I used the most was everyone had Aquanet and I also used one called White Rain mm. and it was just as like stiff. It just smelled better because mm. Aquanet had a really strong smell. Is that what I, your mom used? Yes. I couldn't walk into the bathroom because my mom- when she get ready for work, she would spray it so much. It was like getting hit in the face yeah. with, and it wasn't like a bad smell. It was like chemicals coming into my nostrils. Oh, it's a bad smell. I mean, I'm saying that from having well, it. Well, maybe it was a bad smell and it was like this, this, whatever is entering my nostrils right now is not healthy for me. So it's funny. I kind of learned that from you after we were living together for a while, because when we first started living together, I would spray hairspray while you were in the bathroom and you would like... You would like push away, like and start coughing, and I'd be like, "What?" Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you live with girls your whole life, yeah. you just do that, and you were like, "That's a little, that's a little much." Next question. Yes. When he says to Sally, "You're a very attractive woman," uh huh. Do you think he was coming on to her? Of course. See, there's part of me, and maybe I'm just naive here, but I feel like he was just like making a comment, and that he wasn't coming on to her. And I think it ends up that she is. But I think in that first moment, I'm like, I think he's just just saying what's on his mind without a filter, as opposed to strategically thinking, oh, I'm going to. Well, and that very well could be. And this and again, this movie is from a different time. But that's kind of an annoying thing in right. that. What? So what if Sally, what if the script was uh, flipped and she was like, you're a really like really attractive man. Mm -hmm. What What would you think she was doing? All out of the blue, when you've been arguing the whole time, and now out of the blue, she's staring at him, and she says, "You're an, you're a really attractive man." I I don't know what I mean. I I would agree with you, and I think that Harry's character would be like, "All right, let's go get a hotel room." So here's the thing about that moment is that it's actually I actually almost said to you, he's totally gaslighting her because she he says that and they walk outside and she's like, you, you know, you're dating my friend and you're hitting on me. And he's like, I'm not, I'm mm. not. And that puts then makes her look dumb mm. when really he is hitting on her. And then they get in the car and he take admits it to it. You can't take it back. Why not? Because it's already out there. Oh, geez. What are we supposed to do? Call the cops. It's already out there. Just let it lie. Just let it lie, sweetie. Okay. <laughs> Great. Let See it what lie. I did there? That's my policy. That's his policy. That's what I always say. Let it lie. Want to spend a night in a motel? See what I did? I didn't let it lie. Harry. I said I would and then I didn't. Harry. I went the other way. Harry. <laughs> the other way. So the whole time he's hitting on her, but then he's like, oh, what makes you think me hitting on you is me hitting on you? Yeah. It's like the thing we always say. Why are you getting so reactive to this thing I'm making? <laughs> I'm yeah. making you reactive. All these reactive things so I'm saying. That's, so yes, he's hitting on her, if that's really your question. Okay. Um, and then, all right, so let's, anything else about that scene before we go on to the next one? Well, I guess the obvious thing is, is the big question throughout the whole movie is can men and women be friends, right? Yeah. And this has been talked about, written about, spoken about to death. It's not like we're opening some new conversation up. But I guess at this point, now that you are um, 48 years old, what do you think about that question? Can men and women be friends? The answer obviously is yes. But, you know, I was thinking in my own life, like most of my female friends are either a result of work or friends of yours. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to think of the amount of female friends that I have that I've cultivated organically when it's not about you or work. Okay. And there's the list is not that long. Mm -hmm. And I just, and so of course I can be friends with a female, 
but it's my my default is always to um, invest my friendships in uh, people of the same sex. Right, right. So flip the script to you. How many male friends do you have? And when I say friends, I mean like honest friends that you talk to or communicate with once a month. I have two male friends. Right. Mm-hmm. You get that I knew before Jerry, you. Jerry and Brian. Right. They were two of my best friends from high school. Which is, I think, also a little weird. awesome. I mm-hmm. love both those men. And it's a little different. Like, out of mm-hmm. all of your girlfriends, how many of them stay in touch with two male friends mm-hmm. from high school? Well, they were probably two of the first people I introduced you to. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, we have my my best girlfriend, Manisha, and then Jerry and Brian. We've always spent time together since mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. So we... Um, you know, like every, but even prior to you, people I dated always met them. Yeah. You know, these are, these are some of my friends. Yeah. And that has even, there has never been a time that's caused a problem. Right. Um, probably because they were, it was, it was always like, you know, Brian, he got married, he's gotten remarried since, but he got married when he was 25. Jerry got married when he was like 26, 27, you know, so there was never a thing of like, are we going to date? Yeah. Even though we all went to high school together. Um, but don't you agree that what you have had and have with Brian and Jerry is abnormal? Uh, well, I wouldn't call 40... it abnormal. What I would say, it's maybe not typical. Abnormal to me sounds like a, okay, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, maybe it's not typical. Okay. And uh, then aside from those two guys, anybody else? Well, to, to your point, like, like Manisha's husband, Chris is one of my best friends. And, you know, there are a lot of my friends who are married to men that I've known a long time. I consider them like best friends, but I met them through... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's I I met them through their wives. Yeah. Um, or they are your friends mm-hmm. that are now my best friends. Yeah. Um, you know, and some of the some of your guy friends, and again, this gets so complicated, but some of your guy friends were friends of mine in college before you and I were together. Sure. So they were my friends b- not before you, but you know what I mean. I do, but what I think I'm getting at is 48-year-old version of myself, and you know, same for you. There's really not that many examples I can come up with of where I call a female friend of mine to go hang out or ask for support or anything like that. Understood, understood. And that is a, and I think the reason that I've been able to maintain that with my two guy friends is there was really no threat of that just because of what was going on. We just always had this balance in our lives where there was, we were very rarely all single at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that wasn't a thing. And so it's, it's normal in my life. What I would say is that what's different um, about this movie is that I think it can be more difficult to be friends with someone. And again, this could be same sex or opposite sex, someone you're attracted to if you are a certain age, because I think it may be easier when you get older. Um, or if you're really, really young to be, it's just that middle time, like in this movie, you're capturing them from the time they graduate college to the time they're 32. And that's like such a, partnering era that it's very hard to be friends with someone and to not consider Mm -hmm. could this be like I can't tell you how many of my girlfriends would talk about a guy friend or someone that they loved hanging out with and be like it's totally my Harry like they would say we just you know they're my best friend but we just you know we're trying to we're trying to figure out and make it work and that but I think once you are partnered with somebody else then you can be friends with the opposite sex or with someone you're attracted or which, initially attracted Yeah, which to. is why it's kind of like safer. Like you talked about Chris, who's Manisha's husband. Right. Like, you know, he's married to your best friend. Right. So right. it's just so much safer or easier right. or, you know, it's just like. It's just that time, that window. Like I, and, and I don't, honestly, I know some people miss that window. I do not because I felt like it was very difficult to have authentic conversations. Well, we were in bars half the time anyway, but with guys because that was in the way a bit. Do you know what I mean? It's like, can we just have a conversation without everybody thinking this is only going to go one way? Right. Um, Anything you want to add about um, the airplane or the airport scene? (laughs) Um, The one thing I will say as you maybe think about what you want to share is Joe. Do you know who Joe is? Yes. The actor? Yes. Who is he? He is uh, Gerald Ford's son. Yeah. Gerald and Betty Ford's son. Uh I had no idea until I started researching. 
you knew that before though, right? No, I had no idea. Oh, I was telling Todd before we, we, you know, started recording that there's a lot of like, if you loved this movie, you've probably seen a lot of making of and behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. And so there's a lot of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trivia that everybody knows. And I thought you knew that one. No, I did not know that one for sure. Um, rewind a little bit. Okay. Can a man say to a woman that she's attractive without it being a come on? Well, this is what we just talked about for I know, but 30 it's, minutes. But it's a different it's a different question. Um, Can a man say to a woman that she's attractive without it being felt like a come it, on? It's, it's all about context because if you go later into the movie, do you remember when she has a date and he says, are you going to wear that? Yeah. And then she's like, I don't know. And he's like, you know, you look really good in long skirts mm-hmm. or something. And it didn't feel like a come on. It felt more like you look good. Yeah. But the when you're sitting in a restaurant, just the two of you, and he's staring at her yeah. and he says you're attractive, it's all about context. Agreed. Um, I want to fast forward to when uh, Sally is sitting with her two girlfriends at lunch. We cannot fast forward over the whole airplane scene. Oh, okay. That's like one of the best. Okay. Like, first of all, that she, so Gerald Ford's son, um, who she's kissing at the airport, and then, you know, uh, Harry walks up and they realize they know each other on the plane, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they, she has been dating Joe, that's his name in the movie, for a month. And he said, I love you. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the first time you saw that? Did you think that was quick? Like dating a month and then saying, sure. I love you. I kind of felt that way too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, first of all, I just love what Sally's wearing because she's wearing one of those like ties. So in the in the late 80s and even in the early 90s a little bit, women would wear like suits but with a skirt. Mm-hmm. And then we'd wear like a bow, but it was more like a satiny bow because you guys are wearing bow ties and long ties and we'd wear like satiny bow ties. Right. So I just always love what she's wearing. And then he makes one of my my favorite jokes, which is you were going to be a gymnast. Yeah, a journalist. And that's what I said. You were going to be a gymnast. A journalist. Right, that's what I said. And? I am a journalist. I work at the news. Great. And you're with Joe. You go dancing, you do the white man's overbite, go back to her place, you have sex, and the minute you're finished, you know what goes through your mind? How long do I have to lie here and hold her before I can get up and go home? Is 30 seconds enough? That's what you're thinking. Is that true? Sure. All men think that. How long do you like to be held afterwards? All night, right? See, that's the problem. Somewhere between 30 seconds and all night is your problem. All right. So... I want to play a scene. I know exactly what you're going to play. I know, but it's Because good. I was going to say to you, say it to you while we were watching today. Um, so this is from Seinfeld, uh-huh. and Elaine is talking to the Virgin. Uh-huh. Marla, this whole sex thing is totally overrated. Now, the one thing you've got to be ready for is how the man changes into a completely different person five seconds after it's over. I mean, something happens to their personality. It's really quite astounding. It's like uh, they committed a crime and they want to flee the scene before the police get there. So they just leave? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, the smart ones start working on their getaway stories during dinner. How you know they got to get up early tomorrow? It's always about being up early. They all turn into farmers suddenly. We have been quoting that line forever. They all turn into farmers. They all have to get up early. Well, and what's funny is that's that Seinfeld scene is foreshadowing what happens when Harry and Sally finally have sex. Right. And his leg is like, he's got one leg out of the bed. Which I did not notice until you said that while we were watching it today. When Sally goes to get her glass of water, you can see that he's got one leg out of the bed and one leg on the bed. Like it's so symbolic of how he's feeling. Mm -hmm. And one thing going back to, because you just, you know, played a long scene is that he just a really quick thing that I think is like really ahead of its time Mm -hmm. is Harry says, Helen Hilson, she's keeping her name. Right. That's like, you know, that's so early. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's like so fine with that. I love that. I I don't know why I always have. Like he he doesn't care. He just loves this woman and he wants to be with her, Um, which we never really get to see what kind of relationship he had with Helen or if they were really happy. Um, And Helen is, we see her later with Ira. She's got some big hair. 
Yeah, well, it was the time. It 1989, was. baby. I had some big hair, too. Um, so now we can move on to my favorite. I feel like this movie, I love the whole movie, and it's, like, embedded in my brain. But once Carrie Fisher is brought into the movie, it becomes 10 times better. Marie. Marie. And it's funny because watching that scene, so basically the movie starts – they are, you know, driving from college. Then it's five years later. That's where they see each other at the airport or on the airplane. And then they have that great walkway scene, mm -hmm. which is all one cut. Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah. That's like they, the camera never moves. Mm -hmm. It's like just Billy Crystal, like just going. It's yeah. like him at his best. And then, then another five years later is where they cut to um, Carrie Fisher, Marie, and Sally, and then their friend Alice. And Alice... Is it, she in the movie at all well, other than this one scene? It's what's so funny about it is now looking at it through a different lens. She's in it. She's in the wedding scene and she's in a bunch of scenes, but she fades because yeah. Marie is such yeah, a powerhouse. So like you don't you don't really think about Alice that much. But anyway, so the scene when they're sitting at the restaurant is some of the best. I feel okay. Good. Then you're ready. Really, Marie? Well, how else do you think you do it? I've got the perfect guy. I don't happen to find him attractive, but you might. She doesn't have a problem with chins. Marie, I'm not ready yet. But you just said you were over him. I am over him, but I'm in a mourning period. Who is it? Alex Anderson. Oh! You fixed me up with him six years ago. <laughs> Sorry. God. All right, wait, here. Here we go. Ken Darman. He's been married for over a year. Really? Married. <laughs> She's got her Rolodex. Yeah, she, and she doesn't throw it away. She, she just, just puts a fold on She it. just folds it as if this is temporary. Oh, my God. The, just It's just so funny to even see. It's so fun to watch old movies for a million different reasons, but just to see how she has a Rolodex, yeah. just to see how people have, like, old their old school, like, um, what did we call those binder, like... Uh, the Stephen Covey thing? Yeah, what did we call it? File effects? Organizers? Yeah, those org personal organizers. It's yeah. just so great. Um, so that is kind of our introduction to the fact that Sally and Joe have broken up, and then she and Marie go to the bookstore where I spent half my life too. And in the self help in the section. Self -help so Todd paused it and he's like, Do you know any of those books on the table? Because that's, I've read so many millions of self-help books and they're I think they're all made up because mm. they all have funny titles but then that's when she sees Harry again and they actually have a conversation mm. um, and then Bruno Kirby is introduced <laughs> at the football game yes and I think we'll play some scenes of him later on but I it's funny Bruno Kirby he was in The Godfather yep. part two I don't uh -huh. know if he's in part one he played a younger version of younger version of Clemenza okay and so I think he was in Godfather 2, but he seems not much older in When Harry Met Sally, which was in 1989. Right. As he did when he's in Godfather 2, which was, I think, in like 1973 or something, right? Yeah. And they're supposed to be in their early 30s. Yeah. So I just love, I love Billy Crystal in this, I'm sorry, um, Bruno Kirby in this movie. I adore him in City Slickers. Which they're both together They're in both that together. Movie. And, and mm -hmm. I feel like there's something else I like him in. Is there anything else that you can think of Bruno Kirby as being really good? Um, what not he in something where he's really mean? Maybe I'm thinking of The Godfather. But I feel like um, when I see... When I see him, I think of him as more of a comedian, mm -hmm. but I I feel like he... And he died, you know. He did. Well, that's the other sad thing. Nora Ephron's dead. Uh, Bruno Kirby's dead and Carrie, Carrie Fisher's, Fisher's dead. dead. Yeah, and there's this scene in the movie where they're, you know, when they're talking about the wagon wheel um, table and they're like hugging each other. It's just a funny scene that she says she'll never want that wagon wheel, mm -hmm. you know, table. And I'm like, God, they're both not here. Yeah. Like, and, and I know that's obvious whenever you're watching an older movie, but that movie is so big in our generation. This movie is so big in our generation that it's weird to think of them. Well, and the fact that this movie is 32 years old. I know. Like, think how old... I can't believe how old we are. This movie seems like it's a movie that came out, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago. It's 31 years old. I know. It's crazy. Wow. He was in a lot of movies, Todd. Was he? Like, I'm just... This is Spinal Tap, Birdie, um, Good Morning Vietnam, When Harry Met oh, Sally, yeah. The Freshman, City Slickers, uh, The Basketball Diaries, Sleepers, Donnie mm. Brasco, mm. Spy Games. Yeah. And, and I'm skipping over them. I'm a just saying to you the ones that we like. So 
he and he so he's great too like to have two big stars like you know Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and then to have their counterparts be just as good mm-hmm. it's really great you know like it's really it really makes this movie um like layered and enjoyable um so Marie would always say to her friends he's never going to leave her He's never going to leave her. And they'd say, of course he's Do you know women that have had that attitude towards them being involved with somebody else? Of course. I mean... But we, do they ha- do they carry the same energy? Like, you're right, you're right. I know you're right. <laughs> but she, they just keep on going anyways? Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, it's been a long time. But when I think about my 20s, um, there were people... I mean, Todd, you were that to me. Mm-hmm. My friends would say that about me. Like if I'd be like, oh, I met Todd out again last night. And they, I'd be like, I just don't know if he's ready. And they'd be like, of course he's not. Like yeah. you were It that. wasn't me that wasn't going to leave somebody. It was me <laughs> not wanting to leave my buddies drinking beer. Exactly. That, like, that, that was my mistress. So I could sit here and like point fingers at my girlfriends, but I was just You as played bad. that role as well. Um, and so, but yeah, there were definitely people that they would date people or they would date someone who was dating someone sure. else. Um, one of my girlfriends would always like date more than one person at the same time. And she would call it filling the funnel. Mm-hmm. She wanted her funnel filled. Yeah. So she never you know, so there was always somebody. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is part of that era of our life is that you're figuring out how to fall in love with somebody. Mm -hmm. You're figuring out that's what this movie is. It's a higher level, um, because they're 32. It's the culmination of everything they've learned along the way, all of their mistakes, all of their pain, their friendships. And this is, you know, this is where they end up. Mm-hmm. And it took, we were younger, um, but we weren't that much younger. We didn't get married till we were about 30. So um, yeah, you were, you were very hairy-ish, Todd. I was. You know, and you were a total like, let's go out and let's hook up. And then, yeah, let's just be friends. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny to watch the movie because I used to think about you all the time. Well, it's with funny, this. like emotionally, Harry is, in my judgment, much less mature right? Then Sally. For sure. I mean, Sally's not perfect. Right. But However, yeah. so like the one thing I was going to say, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, Sally seems so put together mm-hmm. up until Joe- Right. Wants to marry Wants to else. marry someone else. Uh-huh. And then you finally see her fall mm-hmm. apart. And I feel like we were waiting for something to happen to her and eventually that happened. Well, and it, it's kind of like she has the experience that Harry had the whole time, which is that if, you know, that great- you know, scene that you were just talking about with he and Bruno Kirby, where he's explaining to Bruno Kirby why Helen's leaving, you know, the whole Mr. Zero thing. And um, he's saying that, you know, Helen is with Ira and they're together. And um, that's what hurts Mm -hmm. is that he wasn't enough. He couldn't make his marriage work because she fell in love with somebody else. Joe and Sally break up because she doesn't think Joe ever wants kids or to get married. Yeah. And so she's more at peace because she's like, I know what I want. You know, I spy a family. That's what she wants. So she's like, I'm just at peace with this. But when she finds out he's getting married and that he didn't want to marry her, mm-hmm. that's what hurts the most. So she then goes into the place of where Harry had been all along. Yeah. Um, so... I want to just quickly talk about the baseball scene where yeah. there's the batting cages, it's really good, which yeah. I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Crystal's a pretty. It's funny you and I were having a conversation about we good were. athletes, and mm-hmm. Billy Crystal. I don't, you know, we a few athletes, actors that I love who are really good athletes. Like I thought of Kevin Costner and, and Tom Cruise is not necessarily most athletic. Charlie but Sheen, Charlie Sheen, and mm-hmm. Major League. Thank you. Um, but the one thing Billy Crystal does in this movie, and you may not know this, do you I know do. what does he do? He bats left-handed. He bats left-handed. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself an above average athlete. And when I swing left-handed with a baseball bat and I play baseball my entire life, it looks awkward. And I did not. And the only reason he bats lefty is because of the camera angle yep. and Rob Ryan or who directed so she, it. So he and Bruno Kirby could be back to back. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, my hat's off to Billy Crystal. Like he really looked like he was a lefty. No. Not only could he swing super well, but he's getting, I mean, he's getting really good hits. Yeah, he's hitting the ball And he's having conversation through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of layers there. But as we know about Billy Crystal, baseball is his life. Yeah. Like if you guys know anything about Billy Crystal, you know, all of his stand-up has been revolved around baseball. If he can choose to play a character, 
he always makes him some kind of baseball fan. Yeah, and City Slickers, he's uh, he always wears his Mets hat, uh-huh. I think. But he's, I've I know enough about Billy Crystal that he his hero is Mickey Mantle. Yeah, Mr. So, baseball. That yeah. didn't he do something? I about think so. Him? Uh-huh. And he was uh, a huge Yankees fan. Yeah. And then, like in Parental Guidance, he's a sportscaster. And even in um, Running Scared, yeah, exactly. he wears a Cubs hat. Exactly. He's a Chicago police officer. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to play a scene about the orgasm. Yeah, but I'm not playing the orgasm. I was going to say we've heard it a million times. Right, we don't have to play that. But I do want to play um, Nora and Rob Reiner sure. talking about it. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. We were, and. You said to me, we've told you all this stuff about guys. You tell us something about women that we don't know. And it was really like, I dare you to tell me yeah. something about women yeah, that yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, that happened in my office, I remember. And I said, okay, women fake orgasms. Yeah. And you said, <laughs> no. not with me. <laughs> they don't, right. And, and, <laughs> and, you, and then you said, how do you know? I said, absolutely with you, and everyone does it. <laughs> and you said, no way. And you really didn't believe it. That yeah. was. Th- and she, he goes on to tell a story about how he had all of the female people at Castle Rock come into an office, <laughs> and he did a quick, very non-scientific survey, and he was overwhelmed with the response because they basically all said yes. Well, and that scene just plays, you know, so much it even better now the age I am because when when I first saw that scene, women knew that already, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't but I was only, let's see, I was 18. So yeah. I wasn't a super experienced person, you know, so it's not like I had I was their age and I was understanding. But now in watching it, it's so the the cockiness of Billy Crystal being like, not with me, or I would know. And I want to be like, dudes, you guys, and this is a whole nother discussion. I know this is for mature audiences, Mm -hmm. but we talk about this on Zen Parenting Radio, our other podcast sometimes, just about the the lack of knowledge that men have about women when if it comes to, you know, sexuality and what (laughs) they just, it's like they learn these skills when they were very young and they keep using them just... A lack of knowledge, and yeah, so, the skills that were taught when you they know, were like looking 13. at magazines <laughs> and looking at porn is not actually what makes a woman orgasm. Right, exactly. And so, you know, just seeing the scene again, it's enjoyable because she's just, you know, she kills it. She's like, instead of trying to fight this, she's like, she actually says, "Oh yeah, because you're a man." Yeah, like the cockiness. Well, and I think it's because. If you think about what's at risk for a guy, I'm not defending myself. I'm I'm trying to make fun of right, my male species. For us to consider the possibility that a woman would fake an orgasm would mean would destroy our manlyhood. So of course we're going to look at our experience with our partner as anything but authentic. Right, right. Because if we looked at it objectively, it would destroy us. Because who are we if we're not good sexual partners that can get our partners right. to do this? Well, and it's funny because you were just playing Seinfeld and they talk about that on Seinfeld too. Remember, she's like, fake, 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 fake. <laughs> like, it's just, it. and again, this is something what? I think. Really? <laughs> you fake? On occasion. And the guy never knows? Yeah. How can he not know that? Because I was good. <laughs> I guess after that many beers, he's probably a little groggy anyway. <laughs> you didn't know. You didn't know. Are you saying <clears throat> I think I'll have a piece of cake with me? Well. You faked with me? Yeah. You faked with me? Yes. No. Yes. You faked it. I faked it. That whole thing, the whole production, it was all an act. Not bad, huh? <laughs> what about the breathing, the panting, the moaning, the screaming? Fake, 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 fake. <laughs> oh, my God. And and it's just like, uh, and again, I will say this in 2021 as someone who now talks to women about sex and sexuality and teaches sex ed and everything. You know, women need to take ownership of that too. Like, why are why are we doing that? Yeah. Like, at this time when Seinfeld was coming out and when Harry Met Sally was coming out, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's like 
there's a little more empowerment in asking for what we need and not faking to make just men happy. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but still, it's funny, and it was it was it was good for the time. For Believe sure. me, it brought a good conversation. Yeah. Um, so should we talk about when Jess and Marie try to <laughs> set? Get set up with Harry. Another and favorite Sally. scene. I'm telling you, everything with Carrie Fisher in this movie is good. I know. Um, so yes, yeah, so they obviously, you know, uh, ha- uh, Sally and Harry decide to set up their best friends with each other. Um, so Jess and <laughs> Sally, and just just that whole table scene. It's like Jess is talking about Jimmy Breslin, who's his favorite writer, and Sally's like, let's just say I don't like Jimmy Breslin, and he's like, well, he's the reason I, be- I became a writer, but. That's, that, that's not important right now. Right now. Uh, let's just say I'm, I'm really just not a big fan of Jimmy Breslin. Well, he's the reason I became a writer, but that's not important. By the way, who is Jimmy Breslin? He is a writer. and He was a, a, a New York writer. Or... I don't know um, right. what's going on with him now. Awk. So awk. He wrote for the New York Daily News. Harry, you and Marie are both from New Jersey. Really? Where are you from? South Orange. Haddonfield. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It, and again, it's trusting. You know when you see an awkward scene and you like have to look away? I never have to look away during this scene because they just are all so good and they yeah. handle it so well. Um, and then that's a great, like, I don't know if you call it a meet cute you know, between Jess and Marie, but that she quotes him. Mm-hmm. She quotes something he's written. Yeah. And he's so touched by that. And she, and that is it. The two of them are. Well, and I have to play. I can't not play this. <laughs> um, actually, I got to rewind it just a little bit. Oh, there it comes. Oh, I've been looking for a red suede pump. <laughs> what do you think of Jess? Well, uh, do you think you could go out with him? I don't know, because uh, I feel really comfortable with him. You want to go out with Jess? If it would be all right with you. Sure, sure. I'm just worried about Harry. He's very sensitive. He's going through a rough period, and I, I just don't want you to reject him right now. I wouldn't. I totally understand. Okay. If you don't think you're going to call Marie, do you mind if I call her? No. Good, no. good, good. But for tonight, you shouldn't. I mean, Sally's very vulnerable right now. I mean, you can call Marie, it's fine, but just, like, wait a week or so, you know? Don't make any moves tonight. Fine, no problem. I wasn't even thinking about tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't really feel much like walking anymore. I think I'll get a cab. I'll go with you. Great. Taxi! (laughs) That might be the best scene in the whole movie. I mean, it always makes me laugh. First of all, Jess and Marie, it's such a dick move. Both of them. I, but is it? Kind. Don't say you're going to do something, and then <laughs> I wasn't four even thinking about it later, you just totally bail. But don't you get it? How many times? And I don't know if it, it was you and I together or other experiences that you had. But how many times have we been like, no, no, I won't leave, and right. then you leave with somebody? Right. Like how many times did you be like, oh, you know, they'll be like, let me know before you go, and we didn't. And this was before phones, so yeah. we couldn't text each other and say, hey, I left. Mm. Um, so I just think that's just a really funny scene, and I can't tell you the amount of ta- times that Todd and I have said to get to each other. Uh, I've been looking for a red suede pump. <laughs> and I'm trying to think when we say Whenever it. Whenever we're walking down a street <laughs> that has shops. Every single time. Or if we're trying to like, I feel like we use it in context too, where it's like when someone's trying to get out of something. Yeah. Oh, I was looking, <laughs> I've been looking for a red Or whenever when Galena walking down Main Street in Galena, like, <laughs> gotta do it. Okay, so yes, that is that is a fave. That is a fave scene. This is random, but I got to play it. Okay. I want you to know (laughs) that I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) The wagon wheel coffee table. Absolutely. There's so many good scenes. So can I say this? Because we kind of skipped over it. Sure. Um, Let's talk about low maintenance and high maintenance, because I kind of feel like that was a discussion that came up after this movie that a lot of people talked about. And I think it's still in our language. People still use it. And this movie created that discussion, right? As far as I know, like that's where I learned it. And um, 
I really think that, again, it's very, as we always say, binary in that you can only be one or the other. And the truth is there's somewhere in between. Because, right. you know, about Sally, um, I think that we can look at something like the way she orders and be like, wow, she's really high maintenance. But let's look at Sally as a whole. Mm -hmm. She's such a low-key, warm you know, go with the flow kind of person. So to say that she's a high maintenance person is not a fair assessment. You know what this is? This is the danger of a single story. Exactly. We just had our men living workshop and we played the TED talk by that woman. I can't pronounce her uh -huh. name. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about how we make these judgments based upon one story, one story. Mm -hmm. And she's and and you know, they're trying to make a joke out of it and compare it to Ingrid Bergman and Casablanca. And it, it it's good screenwriting and everything. But I've always thought like, while I, and, and I, and I take a little offense because I am a lot like Sally in that I have a very big long order that my family always knows about. Yeah. And call you Sally Albright and sometimes. I always like put one thing in the mailbox at a time and make sure it goes down because I'm trying to be responsible and make sure that my mail is in the right place so I have a lot of her quirks and I think I I but I don't think of myself now you look at me right now look at me right. am I a high maintenance person when you're ordering food yes <laughs> but like as a human no. as a whole person no yeah and no. you know like and you like your your comforts like your feet will be cold, uh -huh. but your body will be hot. Right. So that could be categorized as high maintenance. So, and I'm sure I have some things that are really high maintenance. So I think we all have it. Obviously, there's some center of gravity or some disposition where certain individuals are really, really low maintenance and others are really, really right. high. But I think most of us have traits of both. Well, and I think why this is a good conversation is it falls into that category of how we say one is good, one is bad. Like, oh, you're an extrovert, fun. You're an introvert, boring. Where it's like, wait a second, somebody who it, that we would categorize as high maintenance or say they have these high maintenance you know, qualities can be a lot more interesting, can be somebody who is actually speaking up for themselves and not under the radar, somebody who has an opinion. Well, and so, I will say that this lands on the feminine, the females. Mm -hmm. Like I think <clears throat> people, guys will say, oh, she's so high maintenance. Like, right. I don't think guys say to other guys, oh, dude, you're so high maintenance. No, even it's, though they probably are. It's a misogynistic it thing that happens. It so is. I do want to agree with you and mm -hmm. at least my assessment of all that. It's just such kind of a throwaway as like because she doesn't like to do what I want to do or because she asks for what she needs or because she takes more time, she is therefore high maintenance equals bad. Yeah. And I just, as someone who has some tendencies like that, I push back on that. And I say, Todd, I'm kind of, I'm a little more interesting, right? Yeah. Like what if, what if everything you wanted to do, I was like, yeah, okay. That wouldn't be very fun. That would be good for a day or a week or a year, but eventually it would get horribly boring. You're like, or 20 years. Or 20 years. <laughs> it would get horribly boring. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like when we had Jason Gaddis here. Yes. And he talked about how, this may not land well, but how um, women are like- uh, Origami. It? Origami. Mm -hmm. And they just have all these different- ways and mm -hmm. and one day this happens one day that happens and they have reactions based on the day and he's like just it's so exciting like yes the goal is understanding instead and of it. instead of i can't understand my wife like she just drives me nuts one day she's this way one day she's that way it's like embrace the the differences. Well, and I think what men are often really saying is, I don't understand my wife. She's not like me. Therefore, she's wrong. Yeah. And that's, again, that misogynistic yeah. thinking of like, oh, she doesn't want to watch football for four hours. What's wrong with her? Yeah. And believe me, I love football. I'm not using that, but I'm using that as an example of this gets into the whole, maybe one day we'll do Gone Girl about, you know, the cool girl, mm -hmm. that a cool girl... You know, just whatever you want to do or, oh, I'm interested in everything you're interested in. And that can only last so long because that's false. Mm -hmm. Like the mo origami means something's interesting yeah. and there's layers and it's someone you're getting to know. Yeah. So anyway. You ready for a little Pictionary? <laughs> baby apes. Stop with the apes, would you uh, Baby's breast. B baby. Rosemary's baby's baby, baby, mouth. Baby. Won't you come baby, home, build baby? Baby, baby, baby kiss baby, the baby. baby. Melancholy baby's mouth. Baby fish. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. <laughs> 15 seconds. A big baby ba ba Baby boom. Baby. Draw something resembling anything. Baby, baby. I'm crying baby. Kiss ba ba the baby. Uh, baby spitting up. Exorcist baby. Guys. Baby. baby. Yes, sir. That's my baby. No, sir. Don't mean maybe. <laughs> okay. Best scene. That scene is totally improvised. 
It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And, and let me just share again. Baby fish, mouth. <laughs> Baby fish mouth. Let me just share that that scene is very important to Todd and I because when we first started dating, yes. Todd's greatest fear yes. was that scene. Still is. He would say to me, I just don't want to end up like that scene in mm-hmm. When Harry Met Sally when they're playing Pictionary because Billy Crystal's wearing suspenders and they're all having coffee. It's like grown-up boring time. Yes, and you were just terrified of that happening. I totally was, and I still am, and I still don't like wine, and there probably is some like shadowy part of me that will <laughs> not allow myself to like wine because I feel like if I decide to like wine, then I'm officially a grown-up. But you you have wine with me sometimes. Rare occasion, but... Three times a year. Okay. Give me... You know, give me my vodka that I was drinking when I was 22, and now that I'm 48, I'm still drinking stupid vodka. So the two scenes or two movies that remind me most of Todd and I early in our life is this scene, because we've had to talk through the Pictionary scene many times, like, we'll be okay, and then about last night when they're at home for New Year's Eve. About last night is coming as far as pop culture goes. Because she puts pecans on the dressing. Oh, pecans? (laughs) And then and then Bernie calls to go to the bar. About last night is going to be one of those pop culturings that we do that you and I totally love. Yeah. And whoever listens to it <laughs> loves, but nobody's going to listen to that. Because About Last Night, is, when Harry Met Sally, everybody's seen. Right. About Last Night, most people haven't seen it. If they have seen it, they've seen it only once or twice. And we've seen it a million times. I've seen it a million times. Todd's got a lot of Dan in him. Or Dan, used to. Dan Martin. Dan Martin. That's right. Danny. So let's go to, um, can we skip over how why, how she's crying, but eventually they end up having they sex. They do. Okay. So I want to talk about the next morning, and it's not going to translate as well because I'm watching it and you guys are listening to it, but she has this smile on her face. Yeah, so happy. And, Billy, and they pan back and Billy Crystal has this striking fear. He looks like he's wide awake and can't believe what just happened. Yes. Are you comfortable? Sure. Do you want something to drink or something? No, I'm okay. So first of all, as a guy, not that I've had a million sexual partners, but it's more than one, I have been in that position that Billy Crystal (laughs) is in. My question is, like, and it's very... It's a general. It's a generalization. Like mm-hmm. all guys are like that. Mm-hmm. But I could say that there is some truth, some fierce truth in this scene. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there's not exceptions where the guys want want to be right, and the woman and wants the to woman leave. Wants yeah. to bail. Mm-hmm. Sex in the city. Right. There was a lot of that, which everyone appreciated. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't believe. Like, so what is Sally thinking in this moment? Mm-hmm. Is she like? Because I can't believe that she's not at least thrown a little off, and she's so comfortable in her skin. Why? Well, because I can explain this to you because she, the wagon wheel table. <laughs> it all goes back to It the all wagon goes back wheel. to that. So that scene, do you remember when they go outside and they get in the fight where Harry does the best apology he ever does. in a movie? He it's totally the best apology. Does. But he, before he apologizes, he's yelling at her and she says, he says something about, well, you haven't even had sex with anyone since Joe. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're going to have to move back to New Jersey because you've had sex with everybody in New York. Yeah. Or something to that effect. And she says, when I have sex with someone, when I make love with somebody, it'll be because I want to. So in that scene, you have two people who don't do this for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. And so for her, she's assuming if this is happening, this is where we both want to be. So in other words, I think I'm getting, like I've seen this movie a million times and I'm still figuring it out. What you're saying to me that in this moment is the moment that actually ends up happening at the end of the movie where everything... Correct, when he says he loves her. So she thinks that that's going to happen now. Well, I, I mean, mean I, you're being I, too literal. Right. Like she, I don't think she's thinking he's going to say he loves me. that's kind of the mindset and of possibilities. Let me be clear. I don't think she's crazy for thinking that he wants to be there. I know that he's told her his whole this whole time that they've been together that he is... Um, you know, that he doesn't want to cuddle and he doesn't, he's always trying to get out the door. But of course she thinks she's different and she should have a reason to think she's different yeah. because they are best friends and because them sleeping together is a big jump. It, to her, it's like we're taking our relationship to a yes. new place. And to him, it's a mistake. And I said to Todd um, after 
you know, after that scene, when the, when he's showering and, you know, they show yeah. Sally getting ready and they're both having the same thought, I'm going to say it's a mistake. And I know the reason Sally's going to say it's a mistake is because she can tell that Harry wanted to leave. Obviously, he bailed. Yeah. And so she doesn't want to be left with that disappointment and that humiliation. So that's why she's going to say it's a mistake. My question to you is, why does Harry think it's a mistake? Because he's a scared little boy. Oh, why does he think it's a mistake? Well... All of the above. Why does why did he, he thinks it's a mistake because they've had this friendship that although they do have these little moments before that where they have the, uh, there's a little bit of sexual yeah, tension yeah, where they're tension. dancing yeah. cheek to cheek uh-huh. like a few scenes before, but I think he it's you know what it, it's kind of like what Elaine was saying we're like we got to get up early we got to get out of dodge it's some weird thing where we feel like we just made a mistake mm-hmm. we feel like we did not plan on this. And, and, you know, this is different because they're such good friends. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is an interesting movie. If mm-hmm. this was like a hookup. Well, and that makes sense to me. Right. I have no question. But I think to look at that scene and be like, wow, how dumb of Sally. I don't see that that yeah. way. And again, I know I'm going to take a woman's perspective on this. I'm very clear that I do that. But I just feel like she, sh- I don't think she was dumb. Mm-hmm. It, they, they do a good job of getting you into her psyche when she goes to get the water and she's pouring her Evian. It's mm-hmm. so funny to see like those big Evian bottles. Yeah. And she stands there for a moment and kind of shakes her head like, wow, right. look where we are. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's like, wow, this is amazing too. But he just becomes a totally different person. Right. And then, you know, in the next scene when Jess and Marie get married and they're having an argument about this, he said, you know, I didn't go over there to do that. And I did that. He basically makes it sound like he did that because he felt sorry for her, which is disgusting and yucky and, um, and something that they have to work through. But so he had a choice in that moment because he, he wanted to like get up and make her some coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just stay here a while. So he hugs her and then they like, their lips get close. And then I think she initiates the kiss. Right. So Harry in that moment could You have either, a choice. Yeah. He could either mm-hmm. keep kissing her and they have sex, which they did, or he could say, this isn't a good idea. Because I care about you and I don't that's, want this to be... That's probably the best move. Yeah. If that's what he really... See, but that's the thing is, is, is that... Does he actually, this is what's hard about these movies for me is I have all sorts of feelings because I have, they're very layered. Number one, seeing it the first time, and I'm, I'm kind of lumping about last night into here too. You see it for the first time and you're like, that would be a great ending to a story. It's like a fairy tale, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, all of a sudden they change their mind and they want you back. Yeah. And then there's the feeling I have where I'm like, I can't stand stories like that because it gives women the wrong impression. Yeah. And then I ended up having a story like that. So then I'm like, well, see, Mm -hmm. I had that, even though I wasn't having that experience when the movies came out, eventually you and I did end up together. So I'm like, okay, so this is a good thing. But then now I look through it, the lens of this is not a good, this is not, this is not really how it always ends up. Most of the time. Most of the time. Like if someone walks out. Sweetie, Harry and Sally are an anomaly, just like you and I are. Yeah. And Dan and. Dan and uh, Deb, but Dan and Deb didn't make it. Sweet, I'm sorry. You don't think Dan and Deb made no. it? Do you? Really? Um, no way. Probably not. You're probably. right. They were like 24 years old. We're talking about the Demi Moore and Rob Lowe from about last night, their characters. But you want them to, you know, it was just because they were doing what we were doing. They were like playing football in yeah. Chicago for, yeah. you know, Chicago intramurals. And yeah. we're like, that's exactly what we're doing. Right. That was us. Um. So you're right. Okay. So anyway, that is... That, that's how I feel about this movie. Is it's a, it's somewhat of a fairy tale. All right, you ready for the next thing? Okay. What do I have to do? Be hit over the head? If she wants to call me, she'll call me. <laughs> Through making a schmuck out of myself. <laughs> if you're feeling sad <laughs> and like lonely, my baby. there's a service I can render. <laughs> Tell the one who digs you. So we don't have to go through that. No, one. the best part. All Keep right. going. I can be so warm and tender. Maybe it's late to just call me. Don't be afraid to just phone moi. Call me and I'll be around. (laughs) Best. Um, I have to go to Seinfeld one more time, sweetie. Okay. I mean, let's say. This is when Jerry and Elaine decide to have sex. Oh, okay. What if we did? We go in there. (laughs) We're in there for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost stupid. 
it if we didn't. It's moronic. Absurd. This is very good. And that would be good. That would be good, too. <laughs> the idea is to combine the this and the that. But of course, we'd have to figure out a way to avoid the things that cause the little problems. Maybe some rules. I have an idea. So they get the rules, and I got to play George. Okay. <laughs> In the naked station. And then, somehow, we started talking about what if we had sex? Boy, these are really bad details. We've tried to arrange a situation where we'll be able to do this once in a while and still be friends. <laughs> what? Where are you living? Are you here? Are you on this planet? It's impossible. It can't be done. Thousands of years, people have been trying to have their cake and eat it too. So all of a sudden, the two of you are going to come along and do it. Where do you get the ego? <laughs> no one can do it. It can't be done. I think we've worked out a system. Oh, you know, you know what you're like. You're like a pathetic gambler. One of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at blackjack. No, this is very advanced. We've designed a set of rules. All right, all right. Tell me the rules. Okay. No calls the next day. It's pretty good. <laughs> Go ahead. You ready for the second one? I have to tell you, I'm very impressed with the first one. Spending the night. Option. <laughs> now, you see, you got greedy. All right. So there we go. Um, eventually, Harry figures out mm -hmm. that he loves Sally. Yes. And he runs all the way through New York to meet her. And again, it's very fairy tale because she's dressed beautifully, just like Molly Ringwald is at the end of 16 Candles, mm -hmm. just like every princess is at the end of every movie. And he runs in and finds her and tells her he loves her. And it is um, it is lovely. And then they have the, – and we didn't even talk about all the couples uh, throughout the movie that kind of give their love story. Um, and you get to see how they met and, and how they're still together. And my favorite is the guy who has the wife and then they, they – divorce and then he marries all these other people and then mm. they see each other again at a funeral. They're yeah. my favorite. But um but anyway, so then they get to tell their story of how they met and that they're together and they talk about the cake and not putting the chocolate sauce on the cake because Do you know what the actual original ending was, sweetie? What? Do you know? No, this is trivia I don't know. Initially they weren't going to get together. Oh, I wouldn't have liked that. Said Reiner on what he and Efron agreed would be the original ending. We had it where time goes by, they run into each other in the street, and they walk in opposite directions. Ooh, that's like the breakup. Exactly. I'd been single for ten years. This is uh Rob Reiner. After having been married for ten years and I just couldn't figure out how to how it would work again. But then Reiner met his future wife. Michelle Singer during filming, he found the happy ending he'd stop believing in. Wow, that's wonderful. And then he could actually write about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good example of how we write to our lives, right? And supposedly you know I mean? that final interview that how Harry and Sally did was completely improvised with the cake. Yes, yes. That's pretty cool. Um, it gets soggy. And there's uh, some other trivia that I could throw out, but I feel like we're give out me of two. time. Yeah, we got we to gotta run, but give me two trivias. This is really uplifting. Michelle Nicastro died at a young age, 50, 50 years due to breast cancer. I don't know who you're talking about. She was the friend at the beginning of the movie. Oh, the woman who yeah. Billy Crystal is dating? Yes. And they can't remember her name? Yes. Just like we can't right now? Yes. I can't believe you went with her and you can't remember her name. Um, and let me see if I can find one more. Uh, did you know that Harry is shown reading Stephen King's Misery? <laughs> Perfect. The film adaptation would be Rob Reiner's next movie. Oh, well, that's weird. Um, that was obviously on for, for real. Or what am I trying to say? They did that on purpose, right? Yeah, I think so. So that is the one way that I am like Harry Burns. And first of all, we didn't talk about that their names are Sally Albright and Harry oh, Burns. Oh, my God. Yeah. I did not... 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but let's discuss why I'm like Harry is that he, when he's reading a book, he goes to the back of the book to see what happens. Yeah. I do that all the time. Really? Not always in a book because I don't read a lot of fiction, but oftentimes before I watch a TV show or a movie, I want to know what the entire plot is. That's weak. Well, and I didn't do it. There's some I didn't do it with, but you know how I do that with every horror movie. I'm like, let me see what the plot in the end is. Yeah. And then maybe I can watch it. Um, see if there's anything else that really jumps out at me. Okay. Um, baby fish mouth. Oh, casting. Yes. People that Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry. Ah, so then he did. You got mail. Uh, Michael Keaton was also considered. He would have been good. Damn right he would have. Yeah. Michael Keaton's good at everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, director Rob Reiner originally wanted Susan Day to be Sally Albright. Glad she wasn't. I'm, I'm a big Partridge Family fan, but I just can't see it. When Day Dern turned down the part, he approached Elizabeth Perkins. She could have done it. Elizabeth McGovern and uh, Molly maybe. Ringwald. No. McGovern and Perkins, maybe, but not Molly Ringwald. And then in 2004, the film was adapted to stage. You know who played Harry and Sally? Who? Luke Perry and Allison Hannigan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. There you go. Well... I will say, Todd, that I love this movie, and I'm glad that we have a history with this movie, and we still love this movie. And I kind of think, I, I know I'm opening a can of worms here, and we're, you know, going away, but sometimes I think of it as a holiday movie. Yes. Because the there's two Christmas scenes in it, and so I like to watch it around Christmas. Pop Culturing, thank you for listening, everybody. Keep trucking, and uh, we'll probably do another, oh, we're doing um, Fatal Attraction Fatal next. Fatal Attraction. Yes. I can't wait. Rabbits! <laughs> Rabbits! <laughs> Rabbits! See you guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. And the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support and keep on trucking.